yes, we're back. The Boss and the Brewer podcast, episode number two. Thank you for supporting us. I very much appreciate it. It's new, but let's see what happens. It's, it's going to be good. I've got my red flannel on. I'm ready to go. Let's get Hendo on the line. Hendo. What's going on? It's you. It is me. Are you coming in hot from the bat cave? I am in, I'm very hot from the bat cave. I'm just trying to find out why I look like shit. That's terrible. <laughs> you, you look amazing. You look like you're in a little lair there with some, some mood. I know. And- I, it's my camera settings, I think, are all just weird. Uh, let me see if I can fix that. I'm all about it. I think leave it as is. <laughs> it's very, uh, very dark and seductive and all that sort of thing, isn't it? Oh, well, you said it. You said it. Yeah. <laughs> How's your day going, man? Good. Yeah. Yeah, very good. There we go. Did you? Oh, there you go. That's a bit better. Did you have the indies today? Last three days, mate. So Last I finished three today. Days. Finished this afternoon. Yeah, we got. I got out of there at about uh, five, five o'clock. So I'm literally only just out and pour myself a beer and away we go. What do you got very there? Nice. Well, oh, you wait for this. Wait, you, you tell me what you got, and then I'll tell you what I got. This is actually um, a Hellas that I homebrewed. Oh wow! And um, um, those who know me well know that I'm a bit, a bit, bit passionate about brewing lager at this point in my brewing career, um, and um, it's next on my list of awards to win is to win an award for uh, a Munich Hellas, like pretty clean pale lager. Nice. It's one I entered into the QABC uh, home brewing competition a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it's the very first time I actually entered a homebrew comp. And got a 41 out of 50, which was a really amazing score. Nice. I didn't get that's still not top three. Because oh, there's people who brewed way, way better lagers than that. So, but I was still pretty chuffed anyway. So it's all good. Very nice. Well, I'm I'm going, well, I was gonna say opposite end of the scale, but I'm not gonna say that because I'm sure that your lager's delicious. I got this bottle here that Kirsty from work gave me. Mm-hmm. And it, it literally has nothing on it. It's got something, something about a couple of guys, Sam and Chris catching up and making a beer and that's all i know but apparently it's a wildflower oh okay and oh, chris I, I, as in christopher as in tofa what i don't know man that's, I don't, <laughs> but um i did suggest that it wouldn't be a good idea to drink this all by myself but then she said it was only like three standard drinks so why not I'll give it a go oh, mate, just just go for it mate drink two holy shit no i've only got one. Oh. Wow, it smells amazing. Um, I, I, I just I had a realization. You know, in the last podcast we did, randomly my dog started humping my leg. Yes, that's right. I do yeah. recall. And I didn't put two and two together until about fifteen minutes ago when I was on the phone and he was chilled out the whole time until mm. I was on the phone and then yeah. he started humping my leg again. Right. And now I realize that whenever I'm talking, he wants to hump my leg. Okay. Is he humping your leg now? Hundred percent. That was quick. So it's right. If, you, if, you, if you do most of the talking, I think that's going to be good. You think you think that your dog would like you know take you out for a dinner and drinks first or oh, something wow. like that? And he's a bulldog. Just... He knows how to get his own way. Yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. All right. Well, first of all, uh, we should let people know that uh, we are now on Spotify and Stitcher and Google, which is cool. Is that right? Awesome. Yes. Um, so those links are up on the website, bossandthebrewer.com. 
We're very fucking organized for people with one podcast. And you pull that, you pulled that together so quickly. That's amazing. Yeah, it's actually very, very simple. It's it's very cool how easy how easy this stuff has gotten. Mm. But um, so yeah, if if you're into Spotify, you can get us on there. Or if you're into Android, like like you are, Stitcher and Google. So that's easy. That's me. Yeah. Um, good. On Google, it. does that mean that I can use the Google Music app to get podcasts now? I think there must be a Google. I actually don't know, but I think like it's called Google Podcast. So there must be a Google Podcast app, or maybe maybe it is on Google Music. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. I'll check um, and, out. We, and we have an email list with five people on there and two of them are me so wow. three real wow. people holy moly I, I'm not even on it I should probably sign up 100% you should, you should get on it we're, we're on the up and up end though you got to start yeah, somewhere yeah, yeah. Yep, yep absolutely it reminds me when I um, um, first became a professional brewer and I released my first commercially um, released beer and we did the debut of this beer um, at um, Chloe's Bar at Young and Jackson in Melbourne. Oh, yeah. And nice. um, this was like over 10 years ago now. And um, one of the guys that was there was um, um, was um, James, and he had this blog called Beer Bar Band. And he was like there telling me how, how he had a beer blog. And I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. He goes, I've got 12 subscribers. And I went, that's amazing keep doing any blowing up when craft beer became a thing so yeah it's got to start somewhere don't you 100 percent. yeah actually that's funny i was i was yesterday i was reading because i'm doing a um well i, I probably shouldn't say anyway at some point in the future we're going to do another crowdfunding so i started thinking about yep. all of our um content and looking back over the past and how much things have changed and i came across that article that 250 beers wrote about us yeah and i was just reflecting on the fact that like this literally this whole entire company that now employs like 75 people would not exist if that guy didn't randomly write that article. Yeah. Right. Okay. It's, it's crazy. And that's, that's why I'm always like create some content. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's a good message. Cause you never know. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. So I've got, I've got some headlines to read through and I know you're going to talk about the Indies. Um, so I've got, there's not a whole lot this week, to be honest, the Indies is a big one. Uh, Stone and Wood ACCC investigation. I thought maybe we'd touch on that if we feel like it. The sure. ScreenFX crowdfunding, if crowdfunding comes up. Um, yep. The little grifter Clipac and PackTech thing that they put together, I thought is quite cool. And, and we might Oh, yeah, 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 yep. Yeah. Um, and then I saw, I saw the IBA announce a community marketing campaign for kind of awareness around independence in beer, which might be an interesting conversation given what's going on in Stone and Wood. But mm-hmm. um, why don't we start with the indie? So what's been happening there? Yeah. Oh, well, I've just spent the last three days judging 1,400 beers. Um, and um, not personally, I didn't drink all 1,400 myself. I was going to say, you seem fine um, for someone who's been uh, drinking beer all day. Yeah, I'm actually pretty mentally drained right now because, um, you know, judging beers, you've got to have a really high level of concentration, be very in tune with your, you know, your senses and that sort of thing. And, and, um, we were judging about 50 to 70 beers a day. Um, and you have to judge your last one as good as you judge your first one, you know? So um, when I get to the end of it, I just have to just sort of shut down and turn on the PlayStation and do something mindless for a while and that sort of thing. So, yeah, uh, but well, it was I, a lot of fun. I should say thank, thanks for doing that because I know for people who, uh, I guess, don't understand how this works, like companies pay... Companies like ours pay a lot of money to enter these awards and they are a big deal. They're, they're kind of like yes. a, a useful thing to get feedback from people, but it's also like 
like the independent brewers are always looking for a way to kind of improve their brewing, but also get some attention and some marketing and, and whatnot. Yep. So, so you're saying that is, is a good thing because it means that, you know, when you're paying quite a lot of money to submit these awards, you know that the people want judging someone them are taking it seriously. Absolutely. You know, um, the, um, yeah, so um, we had uh, so eight tables, about four or five judges, about 40 judges there, a whole bunch of stewards that we couldn't, um, couldn't have done uh, the, 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 the competition without them. Um, and um, uh, some cracking beers, really, really good beers. So I think, I think the standard of the beers is it just continues to get better and better. Awesome. Um, it was a lot of fun. It's like, you know, um, the way that it works, um, you know, is you, you've got like um, a, a judging area and you've got a stewarding area and judges aren't allowed in the stewarding area. And so as a beer judge, you actually don't see the labels or the brewery that the beers come from or anything like that. And um, you just get basically what you have is you have a style guideline, which is basically some words that describe the style of beer that you're judging and a liquid in a glass. And you don't know who it's from. And all you got to do is you got to match how well that liquid matches those words. And if there's any, um, you know, off flavors or anything like that, um, you know, every, every beer that gets put in front of you for judging, you, you assume that it's hundred percent perfect beer uh, and you deduct points off and it lands where it sort of lands. Um, and um, uh, then, you know, uh, depending on how, how good um, the beer is, it's awarded a, a medal, a gold, silver or bronze medal or no medal. Um, that doesn't imply first, second, or third in this particular competition. So it's all based and, on and in a, in a lot of in a lot of competitions too. And I think that's an important thing because it's we want to make sure that when you get a gold medal, you're not kind of saying I won the gold medal like you came first because it is obviously no. an awesome thing to achieve. But there can be multiple gold medals, so there is a difference between a gold medal and a trophy. That's right. There can be you know multiple gold medals or none. Yeah, and. Um, uh, and so, you know, it's sort of basically winning a, a gold medal basically means that you have a, a, a beer of a very high standard and, uh, and that sort of thing. Um, and so, yeah, we sort of, you know, we judge beers in a, in a panel of uh, four or five uh, judges at a table. Um, we'll, we'll assess each beer sort of individually, make our own notes and assessment, and then we'll sort of come back together and discuss the beer as a uh, as a panel and come up with a panel decision and score um, and decide what medal that beer is going to get and that sort of thing. If a beer wins a gold medal, uh, it comes back out at the end of the competition for trophy rounds. So trophies are basically the next step above a gold medal. Um, and they're the, basically the best of the best. Um, the beers don't, you know, we, we did trophies happen this afternoon. Um, the, the trophies are, more fun to judge because you don't have to rejudge the beer. It's you, it's already got a gold medal, so you don't have to reassess it. But you have all of the beers lined up that are in contention for the trophy, and you just pick your favourite. Yeah, nice. That's really how it comes down to when it comes to trophies. You know, which one do you think is the is is well made or um, um, you know has that certain sort of X factor in it and uh, and that sort of thing. So. Um, uh, yeah, it was it was good fun. We we had some. Uh, I won't sort of give away. Uh, I don't want to give away sort of what what won trophies. But there was some like I judged some trophies in the hybrid class this afternoon. Yeah, which covers 
all of the beers, herb and spice beer and coffee beer and chili mm. beer, but it also covers uh, gluten-free and non-alcoholic beer and oh, all that sort of stuff is, all gets uh, put in there. Yeah. Um, and there's some real surprises coming with that. And nice. I don't know who the, who the beers are, but, but <laughs> we, we picked some trophies from, from certain categories that we were very, very, uh, very happy with and that sort of thing. So oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's always it always is a, a bit of a lottery sometimes, isn't it? If you if you kind of, especially at the end, if you're choosing between a lot of beers that are very good, it's kind of it's at some point is it sort of a bit personal preference uh, for trophies? Absolutely, yeah. um, it, it has to be because there's there's no other way to assess the beer. It's already been assessed. It's already been yeah. given a gold medal. Um, you know, and 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 I remember, uh, you know, about sort of six or seven years ago, back before I became a judge and I was stewarding at the AIBAs, um, we were doing trophy trophy judging. I was bringing beers out to the judges, um, and <clears throat> during the trophy judging, one of the judges, he was from Belgium, um, he just he was just there and he was just silently contemplating this beer that he was sort of smelling and tasting and admiring and that sort of thing. And all of a sudden, you just see this just single tear just come down his face <laughs> like that. And I just went, are you are you okay? And he goes, he just like, he was just like, this beer is so perfect. It's too perfect. It shouldn't exist. And he was just like absolutely in tears uh, about how perfect this beer was. Wow. Now, the thing is, I was a steward and I knew, I knew what beer it was. Oh, and, interesting. Um, and uh, won the best, uh, best wheat beer. Uh, trophy that beer was Vine Stefan Vetus. <laughs> nice. I, I love that beer. It's so yeah. good. And um, um, and uh, yeah. So it's actually beer that makes someone cry. What are you doing there? I'm, I'm letting the dog out. He's staring at the, the glass wall, and I'm <laughs> I'm actually ready really hoping he goes outside because if he goes outside, it means he can't possibly hump my leg. So yeah <laughs> I'm, my, my leg is getting itchy it's it's uh it's becoming a problem but i'm, I'm gonna i got a brave face here i'm gonna pretend like nothing's happening <laughs> this um this beer is fucking amazing what's in it is any fruit in it or is it just barrel just out it's the so i mean you know you're getting old when you have to like take 30 seconds to actually view the text it, by the way wildflower obviously gives zero fucks about label regulations it, it literally have it literally has nothing on it um Barrel matured Australian wild ale made in collaboration with Sam and Chris Greenwood, made from regenerative organic malted schooner barley and raw hard yipty wheat. I, I got it because it's got wheat in it and Kirsty's gluten free. That's, that's the only yeah. reason I got this beer. Yeah, so you can um, keep it to yourself. Old man salt bush and wheat straw from the farm hmm. made in, yeah, I don't think it's just, I think it's just a sour. I don't think there's any fruit. It's Sounds like sounds like locally grown and malted yeah. uh, barley and wheat in it. It's a lot of hard work gone into that beer. If that's the case, yeah. I think she's part of the um, that kind of super fan club or, or whatever it is. Yeah, um, it's going to be mine. Maybe old brewers they they when they get to retirement they they go into the you know slow beer thing. Yes. And, yeah, I don't I don't see myself doing that as I'm not hugely into the i like sour beers you know on occasion but i'm not like fully into them and that sort of thing well it's quite difficult like we found with awol um it's it's a <laughs> it's it's not it's on, not something that people drink a lot of so you gotta no. factor that into the plans yeah that's right and they're, and they're not made to a 
to a schedule, you know, the no. beer's ready when it tells you it's ready. And yeah. Yeah. And you can't, Very hard you, can't to predict. Just, you can't hurry it up. So yeah. Yeah. I well, just want, before we move on, one question about yeah. the, uh, the judging thing. Um, yeah. When you're, when you're sitting, I assume when you're sitting around the table judging these beers, you know the other people at these, you know the other judges, right? Generally? Sure. Yeah, Gubsy yeah. is there. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, like at your table, you you basically know everyone at that table. You know, like, that. You've, you've seen them at other awards. You know, like, kind of, is there, like, a kind of a hierarchy of, you know, this, this person's palate is slightly, you know, they detect this better than other people, mm. like that kind of mm. thing? Um, not really. Um, I think one of the good things about judging is that um, there's, there's, you know, everybody's um, sense of smell and taste and, and, and assessment of skill is, um, is, is varied. Um, and I think that brings different perspectives into how each beer is assessed. And someone will notice something that somebody else on the panel doesn't. And, um, and um, um, I don't think there's not really any sort of pecking order there. We have what's called table captains, which are people, which are judges who lead the, the panel discussion and that sort of thing. Right. Um, and um you know, um, like I'm, I'm a table captain for the Royal Queensland uh, Food and Wine Show Beer Awards because I'm on the organising committee. But on this, um, in this competition, I wasn't. Um, so there's no real pecking order there or anything like that. But what I will tell you though is that there's globally, right? There is this subculture of big beer judges um, who just, you know, tra- travel all over the world and judge it at beer competitions. You know, I've, I've made uh, lots of friends uh, all over the world judging beer. And um, once you get into that scene, holy shit, it's a lot of fun because whenever you go, like uh, it was Lee from <coughs> White Lies Brewing who got me into judging in Japan. Oh, and, yes, I remember uh, that. Yeah, yeah, back in sort of back in, I think, 20, uh, 2018, I think was the first time they went over to Japan. Uh, oh, no, 2017, I think it was. And um uh and meeting all these judges from you know mexico and uk and spain and um the us and all that sort of stuff and um and and they're all just you know great friends with each other it's a real lot of great camaraderie and then after that once they get to know you you get invited to judge everywhere you know like i was i was getting invited to like last year before COVID, i had locked in like the whole year's worth of travel and beer judging, I was supposed to go to Korea for the inaugural Korean International Beer Awards. Oh, in wow, April. that would have been cool. And then to fly to Vietnam um, to do a speaking tour there and then to go to Philippines and do a similar thing there. Um, and then I got invited back to another competition uh, in Mexico, but I couldn't go to that one. I think you're just but flexing then, now, Ando, to be honest. So yeah, it is. It's a bit, a bit uncomfortable. But it's, a, it's a, but it's a shitload of fun, though. You know, from a from a judge's perspective, you know, or, or like you get looked after as a judge. You know, like you have to get yourself there. Like if I go to judge in Japan, I've got to fly myself there. But then they put you up and they feed you and they water you and they take you on tours and they treat you really, really well. What's the um, um what's the this is turning into an interview with Hendo, but um, I'm actually curious. What's what's the um, the uh, perception of Aussie beer judges when you when you guys went to Japan? Like, are they are they looking at us as being sort of further along than them, or the the other way round? Uh, it's compared to Japanese yeah. judges. So, okay, that's a, that's a really interesting one because um, in Japan they're trying to they don't have a real big craft beer scene there. 
Um, and they're, they're trying really hard to, to build up. They have major problems with liquor licensing and, and, and the, the definition of beer and all that sort of stuff over there and tax. Um, and um, so they're trying to build their craft beer scene and craft beer quality and that sort of thing. So they, they actually get all these judges from all over the world there because they want to teach their own judges how to assess beer, right? And it's a real big skills transfer thing. Yeah. So they, they respect our... What we're doing, I suppose, is the oh, absolutely. And then they, yeah. and then some of the the Japanese judges, they come over and they they're observers at the AIBAs. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's a real, um, you know, um, you know, knowledge transfer going on. It's a lot of fun. That's cool. Yeah, I, I got one more question. Even though this is not supposed to be an interview with Hendo, no, about, a Hendo show, about, yeah. About <laughs> but um, the question about the Indies was: Is there judges this year from interstate? Uh, South Australia. And that was it. Yeah. Right. So what had happened is was was um, the judging was originally always supposed to be here in 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 um, in Brizzy yeah. uh, before Brucon. Then because of COVID, Brucon, Brucon was sunny the, coast. Was, right? was on the Sunshine Coast. Yeah, yeah. But the judging for the Indies was supposed to be just before Brucon, and then all the awards were going to be announced at the gala thing at the end of Brucon, right? Um, but because of COVID, Brucon got cancelled. Um, the indies got pushed back a month. Uh, and what was supposed to happen was all these state-based judging panels. Yes. Um, but because <clears throat> New South Wales and Victoria were in extended lockdowns, only Queensland and South Australia, and because Western Australia has really strict travel um, restrictions at the moment, mm. they were the only two states where we could draw uh, um, a, 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 a talent pool for, for right. judges. So mostly Queensland judges um, with about sort of 10 or 20% of them coming from South Australia. Nice. So, it might be a blessing yeah. in disguise that they've, they've um, uh, kicked off the Queensland Beer Awards a couple of years ago and everyone's kind of in the rhythm of, of doing that. Absolutely. We've, 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 we've done a great job of building up a really good judging talent pool here. Um, and, you know, we're very grateful that, that the industry has entrusted the Queensland judging um you know and brewing community to to judge the indies um the the standard of the judging was extraordinarily high um and um yeah it's just worked out really well nice really, really and well. i definitely should know the answer to this question but i legitimately don't know the answer um mm -hmm. when when are the winners announced i don't know <laughs> Right. I asked that question this afternoon because, like, Joss, Joss from from Hop, um, Hop on Brewery Tours was is the the chief steward. Yeah, and I and I'm and we're doing all this judging. I'm walking out the door, you know. It's like oh, I'm going home now. What's the announcement? And that she didn't know. So is there um, an actual because there's no brewcon? Is there an actual indies kind of event? It will or? be an awards thing. I'm pretty right. sure it's going to be live streamed. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like they kind of did last year. They did this live stream awards thing, and so there'll be Prof and Tiff and. Well, that's uh, uh, yeah, Prof and and, and um, not Tiff, um, Kiralee. Um, no, that was it. Wasn't that the Abers? Wait. Yeah, well, that, yeah, they'll do something like that again. Oh, you know, I, just I, I do really it hope online. it's not like that. <laughs> that that, that mid-COVID Abers was was pretty savage. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope it's not like that. Um, uh, we'll see what happens. Right. Well, thanks for doing that. That's that's very cool. Uh, moving on to the next topic here, I've got. Um, Stonewood ACCC investigation. I, I, yeah. I kind of just put this on here because we we actually got emailed about this to kind of put a an opinion forward, I suppose. 
um, which I thought was interesting. And I, I ignored it because I'm busy doing work and other things. And I don't, mm. I don't feel like I have a strong opinion that would add to the conversation, but um, mm. I feel like it'll, it'll probably go nowhere. Did you, do you think any differently? Um, <clears throat> what are they asking for? Whether they believe that Lion Pert buying stone and wood will decrease competition in the yeah. industry? Yeah. I, 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 on the, um, on the, um, um, you know, the request for information there and that sort of thing, I would totally encourage anyone, whether you're a consumer or a, a brewer or a publican or something like that, anywhere involved in the industry, uh, to, um, to respond to it and put, put your point of view forward. Um, well, you know, it's a government, ACCC is a government department and they can't just act on intuition and, 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 and anecdotes and all that sort of thing. They have to hear from the industry, you know, to, to, to gauge the impact that the, the stone and wood sale to Lion will have. Um, you but, know, what, what, but what impact do you think, like it's hard for me to look at that whole thing as someone who owns, you know, well, owns part of <laughs> these days, that, you mm. know, another independent brewery mm. as it's, it's fine. It's fine. I, th- I, think we'll be, I think I think we'll be fine. I, th- I think the independence will be fine. There'll be other indies coming through. Yeah, the, the issue is taps at pubs. That's really what it is. Hey, um, but, taps, but ta- aren't taps going to open up as a result of this? Um, yes and no. You know, so I, I anticipate what will happen is that um, um, you know those um, Stone and Wood has always had the independent tap in in because no no brewery can tie and contract 100% of the tax. That is right. anti-competitive, and that's already been, um, you know, I mean, the major Let's breweries. be honest, 80% of the tax is also a little bit anti-competitive. but <laughs> Absolutely, but, a, but they, just, they just can't do 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And so you go into, you know, you walk into a pub and you can tell if it's a Lion pub or a CUB pub by the types of beers that it's got. So if you've got, you know, if it's got um, VB, Carlton Draft, um, you know, Pirate Life, um, um, you know, Mount Goat and Bolter and all that sort of thing, that's a CUB pub. But if it's mm. got... Two is new, Forex, um, you know, uh, Little Creatures, um, um, you know, and, and, and that sort of thing, you know, that's a, that's a lion pub. And so typically where Stonewood Pacific Ale, the biggest selling beer, has been positioned is it's always fit very nicely as a very, very cost-effective beer for those publicans in that as the neither, not the tied tap. Right, right. Uh, yeah, it's now, the so go-to might, indie tap. I mean, I suppose Coopers and I suppose they took on a lot of the Coopers taps, well, didn't they? Well, they did. They they did certainly, right? So have a think about what happens now that you've got Stonerwood Pacific Ale as the non-contracted offering in a line pub, right? Yeah. Now they're now they're touching that one hundred percent of the taps. Right, so, so it opens up opportunities no for so, so well, what it means is that the publican or the or the lion rep has to make a choice as to which beer of his own gets dropped, yeah, so that they can't contract all the taps. Right. And same thing's going to happen to those pubs that are CUB, um, uh, that are CUB um, tied, right? Well, they're going to so drop the, pubs. They're going to drop the stone. They'll drop the lion, right? Yeah, yeah. and and so, um, but doesn't so that just going, mean more taps for indies? Yeah, possibly. Um, I, I think um, I think um, I think Coopers will see an uptick. It be, yeah. would be my bet. Yeah, uh, first and foremost, before any, any Pacific Ale. 
Oh no, <laughs> I can't do it. Um, but um, they, did, I, they I did, did it. You know they did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know they, they did it. They changed the name of the beer to the Pacifica. Anyway, Stonewood founders are cool with that now, apparently. So that's fine. Yeah, but no, but but yeah, I mean, I mean, am I thinking too short term? Thinking okay, all the CUB pubs are going to be looking for independent beers for their twenty percent. So their stone and wood taps and all the lion pubs, they're going to take off one of their shitty lion beers, put stone and wood in their lion taps, and then they're going to free up an indie tap in the, in the lion pubs. And that's, well, isn't that a, all good news? I for, mean, you're in the, you're an independent brewer. Do you, have you got, if you've got a strategy to, to, to take those taps yourself? Well, not a strategy, but yeah. I mean, like when we go into these, like our entire existence, we go into a venue with two independent taps and we're up against Bolter and stone and wood. Mm. up until a couple of years ago. And, and it's like, you know, like we will do our best to compete, but good fucking luck competing it's against hard, Walter and yeah. Stone and Wood. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I think I think we'll get more taps, at least in the short term. Yeah, yeah. I think, and, and you know, like I said, the last episode, I think what will happen to um, Pacific Ale, you know, Stone and Wood is mostly a keg brewery. It's mostly about on-premises, most about kegs it, on tap in pubs, right? Um, and and far far more than any other independent brewery. That's what they've been all about since since day one, and that sort of thing. High volume, low margin, beer well, on tap. Jamie Cook once at the Abers, I hit him up, and he gave gave me that advice. He said, "Put taps, get taps, put mostly beer into kegs." And we fucking tried, but it's yep. just <laughs> he wasn't competing. I mean, I don't know, I don't know how they did it, but it it's you go into a pub with two taps. You know, and Bolter and Stone and Wood are on. It's very, very hard to get taps. And turned out for us, yeah. there happened to be a global pandemic where no pubs were buying beer, and only mm. packages was you know only package beer was selling, and yeah, that worked out very well. But um, generally, I think it's that was the go-to kind of good advice: like sell as much as yeah. you can locally and as much as you can in keg. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, Pacific Ale is a very, very cost-effective beer to make. You know, there's not a lot of um, ingredients in it. Um, so they, they, they get a lot of flavour out of very little ingredients and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and, um, um, you know, and they're able to sort of, you know, and, and they, they position the ABV of the product so that the excise is pretty low as well. That's a big cost of the, the production. And they've just got, and they just focused on one beer, is their tap beer, you know. Um, and, um, they you know, they have... I had you know the, the the lager and the 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 um um you know cloud catcher and all that sort of stuff, but it's always about Pacific Ale and mm. I and I think and going back to the ACCC, that's the thing that they're going to be that the ACCC is going to be interested in is mainly about taps in pubs and lines now influence over that because they've effectively bought one percent of market share. But see, one percent—that's where I think the whole thing falls down. Like it, it seems like a waste of time for anyone to fill in. Any information when they're approving a buyout from Asahi to buy a CUB, mm. and now we're talking about a buyout for one percent of market share. It just seems yeah. like there's no. Well, it makes that- a difference when you have a, du- a duopoly, effectively. You know, um, so um, that's that's where that's where the ACCC are focusing is is taps in pubs. Mm. Um, it's not it's not it's not small pack. It's not cans and bottles in bottle shops and stuff like that. It's about taps in pubs. It's what it's always been about with the ACCC and 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 the beer industry and that sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, why don't we make a little prediction? I predict it'll go nowhere. What's your prediction? The as in the investigation? <laughs> yeah. 
Um, oh, look, there'll be some submissions. Um, and they'll 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 do a bit of a song and dance. But yeah, I'm with you. That's it. It'll it it's 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 it, they're just kind of. I think it's the A Triple C trying to justify their existence right. and sort of going, you know, uh, we're doing our job. We're making sure there's competition in the market and it'll get fucking rubber stamped, of course. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's move on. Uh, I've got this grifter clip packing thing, which is, I mean, it's probably not the best name for something, but I was quite interested in this. That's I haven't call? actually, a clip, clip packing? Clip packing. Clip, clip packing. Um, Sounds like Ikea. It, it does a little bit, which is yeah. probably good. Sounds like a, ca- a couch design. sit on. Yeah, yeah. I, yes, I bought a new clip hack and <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what kind of couches you're sitting on, Endo, but all right. <laughs> it's not a fucking not, clip hack. Not in that. It? Not in that dungeon you're living in there right now with the red lighting and your clip hack. And... <laughs> this is my. This is my OnlyFans. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Studio. Yeah. Right. How many subscribers are you working with there? Not, oh, not zero many. at the yeah, moment. Right. Yeah. Okay. Make, About as work. many subscribers as, as we have on our mail. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so what do I think of it? Is that what you're asking? Well, yeah, no, this is actually interesting to me because because we um we're investing in a whole new packaging line. And mm. at the time of making the decisions around it, we kind of knew the the pack the plastic pack techs, which are reusable and they're made out of recycled plastic, but they're um they're still plastic and we we pump out a shitload of them. Um, yeah. And we committed to those because there was really no other good solution. And we're actually building our own PackTech applicator at Black Ops, which is probably a little bit yes, out Yes, Dubsy showed me some of the videos of it. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we, I did have a look around. I actually spoke to, to James from Stone and Wood at the time about, you know, the decision-making that went into there kind of, I think they used the um, West Rock, the, you know, the, the kind of yep. the wrap. Yeah, the wrap, wrap, yep. um, and with that, with that thing, you have to hire the whole machine, and they give you all the packaging and everything. It's a whole. You got to buy the. Thing. You got to buy the packaging from them and all that sort of stuff. Yes. Yeah, and and we looked into the more sustainable ones, but those things were just really useless. But this this thing from Grifter looked interesting because it was it looked looked like it was legitimately kind of made out of cardboard, and there was some branding on there, which was nice. But it was also applied automatically, which is a mm. very important thing. Once you once you're pumping yep. out beer at that scale, you, you can't Absolutely. go with options where you're pushing it on by your hand. Yeah. Um, I, I, I want to get my hands on one. I don't have my hands on one, but but what, what do you think? I think it looks quite cool. Oh, uh, look, I'm not a fan of Pactex purely from the environmental sector, but I'm pretty sure that most brewers in the industry would agree that 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 they they use Pactex very begrudgingly. You know, they're yeah. they're pretty significant. They're very good at what they do. Right, they, they grip the top of a can like an absolute they are very boss, good. you know. Yeah. And and you can't if you want to pull it, you know. Everyone's done it. You pull a can out of a pack tech, it's fucking hard, you know. And um, it's like a test um, of your manlyhood. It's like you know, you, if you can pull it out of the pack tech, you know. And then if you pull it out of the pack tech, and you'll bump something on the other side of the bloody fridge and that sort of thing, yeah. and knock over something, you know. And um, and so they're very good at their job, but they're 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 quite an inordinate amount of plastic. Yeah, uh, in them, and they're not and, cheap. And, and they're not cheap. Um, and I think Grifter was saying that they use five ton a year of Pactex. They said in their article, I think on Brews News or something like that, when they when they announced it, five tons of plastic per year. How big is Grifter? Um, they're big in Sydney, right? You know, that's most of the Sydney breweries have pretty pretty deep sort of local distribution and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, in the in in the the majors and stuff like that. 
Um, I, I don't know what they're doing leaderage. I wouldn't speculate on that. But, yeah. um, you know, with the pack techs and stuff like that, they're, they're, they're just not great, you know. Mm. And, yes, they're made from recycled plastic and, yes, they're recyclable, but we can't. Well, they're recycle. reusable. They're not recyclable, are they? Yeah, we can't recycle plastic in this country. No. Right, we, you can we just, reuse them, but I, I mean, how many of those things actually get reused? Yeah, I think I think there's a Dan Murphy store. There is, somewhere yeah, there's Dan Murphy's trialing a thing. We've they, been doing it for a long time. I know, like Ballistic, we're doing it for a while. Like we have a yeah. thing where people can bring it back, but I mean, the amount of beer we sell versus the amount of pack text we get back is, you know, it's 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 not a meaningful. It highlights a greater a greater problem around the the packaging life cycle and that sort of thing. Um. And, um, you know, um, uh, you know, what do you do? Do you, do you put a bloody container deposit on a pack tech as well? It's just going to be uh, I think that container ridiculous. deposit thing is just a scam. Oh, it is a scam. Totally. Yeah. I agree. But, but well, um, I mean, I think I commend them. You, you see all these breweries getting these grants for research. I mean, this, this mm. project seems to be 100% research. So if someone yes. can figure out a way to do it with paper... And keep the branding on there, then yeah. Well, you, you got to think about like the, the 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 very tough conditions that that are that are something that holds a four pack or six pack of cans or bottles of, together of wet needs to too. go through. Yeah, that's right. They they're cold, they're wet. Um, they get put in a refrigerator. They go out in the in 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 on a on a truck. They have to get lift picked up by the by the customer to take it home. They don't want it to fall apart. They, they go through quite you know, that that job of holding a four pack or six pack of beers together is really really hard, and you need something that's very rugged and durable. If you yeah. think about what's what have four packs and six packs been in the past, you know, think about the different forms, right? Mm. We've used that when it was bottles. We used to have the little cardboard baskets yeah. and stuff like that, and they were recyclable, and that's great. Um, but then you've got the the Kista, um, the shrink wrap plastic. That VB and that sort mm-hmm. of thing usually is right. They still use them. Yep. Yeah, Forex still use the Kisters. Yep. See that. Um, see that. That's way worse because that shit definitely ends up in the ocean, like killing animals, like straight. Oh up. shit! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Turtles eat that totally. Okay. Um, and um, but but the thing is though, if you talk about the functionality of it, the Kister does the job. It's sturdy. It can be wet. It doesn't degrade. I think it's, the pack tech does the up. best job though. Because, oh, because absolutely. the pack text, you can, you can carry it around no matter how many beers you've had out of the thing with 100% certainty the beers aren't going to fall out of it. It's, yes. a, it's a very, very functional thing. Absolutely. And I think that this with this uh, Klippacken um, thing, you know, I think what they're doing is if they can, you know, even 80% replicate the functionality of a pack tech and have it in a recyclable format, that's a win, you know. <laughs> That's Elon, by the way. Look at Elon. Yeah, that's. I think I follow him on Instagram. Yeah, follow. Okay, follow. Yeah, for, for all our six listeners, follow Elon the Pocket Bully on Instagram. Yes, you're famous now. Go away and stop humping my leg. Um, <laughs> and that's the reason I asked a question about about um what size. I said go away, dude. This is very uncomfortable. You're way too big now. You're not cute anymore. Um, what? How big Grifter are? Because like, are they actually distributing beer through the major bottle shops in this with these? Pack and yeah. things. Well, that's the other that's the other bit of functionality that 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 your your four pack or your six pack older needs to needs to do is it needs to have a barcode on it so that when you buy it at the shop that someone can scan it with a 
with a gun and and they know that it's a four pack or six pack of that beer. Sorry, <laughs> this is just fucking hard to keep a straight face, dude. Just stop, just stop, dude. <laughs> um, he's so needy. I don't know where he gets that from. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, what's um, space? And, yeah. So I, I I I'm really curious to see how Grifter go with it. I, I'd love to get my hands on um, hands on them. Um, you know, question for you: if it, if that was sort of viable and you could sort of swap in and out your new bespoke pack tech thing with something like that, would you consider it in the business? Hundred percent. Like, like we've been thinking about something like that for quite a while, and we, and I'd played around with the different options, and we'd looked at um, the you know those kind of what's the word the the brown ones. What, yeah, they look like egg, egg carton kind yeah, of. Yeah, and they're not really they're not really compostable. They were kind of like if you sent them to the right place, they'd be composted, and they're not mm. good. Like I had mm. I had a couple that Hop Nation were using for their limited ones, and you kind of crack one off, it breaks. Like they're just not very good. Um, they get so soggy yeah. when they get wet too. Oh yeah, when they get wet. So so yeah, I, I think if, if it's a viable option, I think so many people would use it. So I, I hope mm. it is a viable viable option. Um, Let's move on here to the next question. Here is the and before and I do have I do have this hard questions segment. Well, how are we going for time? Seven thirty. We're kind of smashing this out. Yeah. Um, I will get into this one because the IBA have, have and and maybe you've got some thoughts on this. The IBA have, have put out an announcement saying they're going to launch their community marketing campaign, which I assume means you know, educating the average beer drinker on the importance of independence. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I guess, I guess the question is, is, is that, is anyone going to care about that? Yeah. Does, do, do people care about independence? Yeah. Mm. Um, I care. I'm pretty sure you care. Um um, you know, because but but we care because we're we're actually in the independent brewing industry. Um, but does the average regular consumer? It's a tough sell, you know. Mm. Um, you know what's the you know like I said last week, what's the what's the biggest selling brand of beer in Australia is Great Northern. Why is it? Because people actually think it's a brewing company, mm. and it's local. Has this this perception of being local. I think it's, is, is it actually that or is it just they, you know, when people have the product, they feel a connection, they feel a certain yeah. thing. I, I, does it even cross their mind that it's a brewing company? Is it more just like, you know, they think a certain thing, they feel a certain thing and, that, and that's it? That's it. Like, like who knows? Like, we used how to say Corona how, all the time. It was, it was never exactly. like, it never crossed my mind that Corona was a, a brewing company. It was just, you know, you had the fucking little nice little wave on the beach there. Yeah, it was and, the beer from where you'd rather be. Yeah, and that was it. Right. But the but Great Northern's, you know, marketing is is the beer from up there, yeah. up here, or something like that. And and um and it actually says on the bottle Great Northern Brewing Company, you know. Um and uh people I think in some respects, people do feel a sense of attachment to a brewing company like that. And it's like, you know, the the major breweries have done an amazing job at um, encroaching on and owning the message around craft beer, right? Yeah. Um, they've done a great job of it. Um, and the, and this, are... is, this is the, the, the really big thing that I think people are missing is like when we, like when we got into craft beer and when, you, and when you got into craft beer, it was in some sense um, 
I don't want to say easy, but it was a situation where the major companies were not making good, interesting beer. Yes. So there was a very big difference between what they were making and what we were making, what you yes. were making. Yeah. Um, but like you rattled off before, if you go into CUB pub now, good luck starting a brewery and making better beer than Bolter and Pirate mm. Life and, you know, all of those and Stone yeah. and Wood and for, for like all of those brands. But you've got to think about how we got here, right? So what's your epiphany beer? Like the beer, the craft beer that got you into craft beer? It's a it's a probably a toss-up between Redback and Little Creatures Pale. Right, both Lion. Both Lion now. But, oh, sorry, CUB. Redback was Matilda Bay, that's CUB. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, they were. When, well, well, when, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. And and so and it's a, it's a really good story and it's 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 actually what, what been... year did what year did Lion sell? I actually I wonder if it was sorry uh, little I would say Lion little creatures, little creatures were bought uh, by Lion I think in 2011, 2012, I think yeah well, yeah it would have been it would have been well before that yeah so right. okay but I yeah, wasn't so, drinking it thinking but, independent I was drinking it thinking it was you know this beer tastes different, different to all the other exactly shit. Yeah, yeah exactly and what happened right is no different to what's happening right now with Stone and Wood is there's a craft beer company that got really, really big and was taking market share from the majors and the majors bought it. Yeah. Right? It's not the last. No, no, the the diff- no, I think the difference is, well, actually, Little Creatures is an interesting one. I haven't had a Little Creatures payout for a very long time, but I think the big difference now is that these companies aren't fucking with these breweries. And that was that was always the thing. It was, it was like they'll buy one of these brands and they'd start fucking with the brand to the point where they just weren't making the well, same Matilda product Bay. anymore. That's what happened with Matilda Bay. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, they're not doing that anymore. I mean, I no. maybe Lion didn't do that. Little Creatures may not have been messed with too much, but, uh, but you know, once kind of part, you know, we, like we went to Pirate Life after they built their new brewery and tried some of the beers, they were fucking phenomenal. Yeah. So yeah. I think once they realized that, you know, let's just buy these brands and not mess with them, then it was a real big problem for craft brewers. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But the thing is, right, is, is about the sort of the, you know, the, the, the independence thing is that, um, you know, your epiphany beer, my epiphany beer was the Matilda Bay beer, it was Alpha Pale Ale, right? And right. it was independent then. And it got sold in like 20, 2006, 2008. And these are both beers like from, from uh, Brad, right? From they Sunday. are, yeah. Yeah, Brad Woodruff's, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Redback and, and Alpha Pale Ale. Yeah. Um, and, um, uh, and eventually those beers get so popular that the major breweries buy it, right? Um, and Stone and Wood was, was, is, is no different. It's just an evolution of that. And what that means, right, is that, like, um, the major breweries start to own the craft craft word you know the craft brand mm. um because they you know and they and they can do it because they buy them they keep the brands they grow them they put the big marketing dollars and expertise behind them and that sort of thing uh and 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 they grow and grow and grow and and the the iba used to be called the cbia the craft beer industry association before it became the independent brewers association um to try and get that point of difference right and um, and then, you know, the, the market share of independent beer kept going up and up and up. I think we got to seven or eight or nine or 10% or something like that. Um, and that was big enough for one of the major breweries to, to, to 
poke their head up and pay attention go mm, there's one percent right there right hey, yeah no i think it's i think it's got a lot to do with the growth in the category not just the overall percent like if you, if you look at their their general business i think you mentioned this last week that like alcohol generally is declining and that they can see there's a few select categories that are yeah. growing very quickly so I, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if it's as, and it's also just like if you talk about the pub situation someone goes into a pub it used to be the case like it started getting to the point where if you went into a cub pub you had an astonishingly good lineup of beers if you were mm. a more let's say more sophisticated that might be an arrogant thing to say mm. but you're a more sophisticated beer drinker well you're a sophisticated guy oh, dude, i mean look at this flannel i mean but and then you go into line pub and they didn't have a lot to offer. So I think I think there's a bit of relevance and there's a bit of growth in there. It's, I don't think it's just about the percentage, you know, market share. Mm. When when you when you have a duopoly in 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 any market and in Australia we have a duopoly with with beer. Uh, any percentage of market share that you, that's all you've got left. Any mm. percentage of market share that you can buy under a duopoly situation is worth it right but a percentage market share is current situation whereas growth is a predictor of future situation true so yeah, like absolutely. if if see i think that the master stroke was always going to be who was going to buy bolter because yes cb yeah. buying bolter at a time when they were just exploding yeah you know and a brand that was not really tied to independence um mm. it seems it like was built in, to sell it, it was, was built, built yeah yeah and, and bolter was built to sell and in hindsight it it I mean, it kind of seems like the bargain of the century. I mean, I don't know what they paid, but it kind of seems like they did very, very... It's, it kind of seems like the best acquisition that's ever happened in craft beer. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, if you talk about how the, the major brewers have started to own craft, well, then there has to be some differentiator between, um, you know, that, 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 they, that it's very easy for a big brewery to say, I am a craft brewer. Well, of course you are. You know, you're making beers that, that, that are flavorful and have, you know, some, some level of distinct distinctiveness and, and all that sort of thing and so what's left you know and the next thing is independence right and so mm. you've got in independent beer and the independent brewers association but what point of difference does that actually say to the consumer and i think that's the real quandary there right um you know independence doesn't equal uh, doesn't equal quality exactly i mean right? to, to be honest in many respects it's the other way around. It's the, the other way around. Yeah, yeah. the non-independent breweries, the ones owned by the majors, are fucking really good at quality. Exactly. Right? They've got it. Um, <laughs> They've got every opportunity to make a much better, higher quality product than so, the small ones. So, do. what's the message that uh, a consumer is going to sit up and pay attention to, to make them want to buy an independent beer? And I think that's the thing that the IBA really needs to get um, get their head wrapped around, right? Or is it just? Not, or is it just the it's case? It's not quality of, and it's not price because independent beer is always more expensive. Is, um, is it? Is it a case that the 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 IBA is not the right group for that job? I think there is a message around um, around the point of difference of, of independence. I think I think um, being local is um uh, is a very powerful uh message to consumers but see the majors uh, are owning local as well like, i i went well, up to, you know, to you monday yeah well yeah and it's byron bay brewery and like yeah. i went to you monday not that long ago and it was the fucking coolest place i've ever been to and they got this pub which is the coolest pub you'll ever see the yeah. pub's got a brewery in there that's owned by lion i think lion. Or, yeah. yeah yeah and yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's local. Everyone was all the locals were enjoying it. So yeah, and they had no idea. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, maybe you're right. You were right. It's 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 not. It, well, exactly. So it's not quality. It's not local, right? It's not price because it, because independent beer is not not cheaper. It's usually more expensive. So what is it? Yeah, I think I think I think we have an identity crisis now, and it was it was easier in hindsight when when we were making better beer than the majors. Um, mm. Now it's going to be much more it's difficult. Changed now, they've yeah. caught up. They've but I think there's I think like in terms of marketing beer, I think the the story is the important thing, and I think there's there's um there's a lot of appetite for not like blatant storytelling like the you know like the fucking the shackles are broken and now i've got this beer that's like a convict's beer like not that kind of bullshit but like a le- like legitimate storytelling which we we try to do at black ops but I, you know I, I, we're not the first people to, mm. to do it um but th- there's a legitimate desire in people to get behind other people who are on a journey that they can aspire to Mm. and relate uh, to and be part of you know and that's, to, that, that's well that's exactly big... and and how do those people become part of that journey how do the consumers become part of that journey they know the people and that's what the that's what the majors can't replicate so if i was going to say what's a point of difference with regards to uh an independent brewery versus uh you know the larger breweries the mega breweries it's the people they can't replicate that they don't they don't have they don't have a govs they don't have an eddy you know, they don't have... I don't know. They've got uh, a Brad Rogers and a Scotty and <laughs> so they've got some pretty good people. Okay. Yeah, sure. Okay, so Bolter's got Scotty. When was the last time you saw him on um, the, uh, the the Bolter Instagram? Today. Today? <laughs> yeah. What was he doing on there today? Cheersing McFanning. Okay. <laughs> um, no, I, yeah. I, I don't... I don't... Look, that's... The Instagram is just marketing. It's not, it's not real life, but I... I don't know if I agree with that. Like, like you can't people, tell me people, that these big companies can't get good people. People want to, of course they can, but those, you know, the, the, the pe- consumers want to know who's making their beer, where it's made and all that sort of stuff. And I think the point of difference message well, our, about- our, in, our consumers in our kind of craft beer world want to know that. Yeah, of course, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's about taking those people on a journey, right? Because if those great Northern drinkers are drinking great Northern because they think great Northern is a brewing company and there's actual real people behind it, well, then independent brewers have to go a step further to say, yes, we're a brewing company. Here are the people, here are the actual names of the people behind it. Right. Here's what they're doing. And, and, and maybe that would be something that's more engaging. Um, I don't have an, I don't, I don't profess to have an answer to it or anything like an answer to this situation. Yeah. But but I, I certainly agree that independent Australian independent brewers and the IBA now, um, since the Stoner Wood sale, has an identity crisis that needs to be um, resolved somehow. What is yeah. it that makes what people want to drink independent beer? I think a good starting point is to let Coopers into the IBA because if, if, if the thing is going to be independence, then why are we not celebrating the most independent company? I, I, would, I totally agree, yeah. Yeah, and they would bring uh, a raft of, um, you know, marketing and technical expertise into the IBA um, uh, to help lift the independent, um, um, uh, independent brewing um, industry and that sort of thing. Totally, yeah. totally agree with that. 
All right. Well, my that that uh, last kind of story led on to one of my hard questions. So um, that hard was, questions. That, that can be. Let's move on to hard questions because we've got a few of those, and then we've got fan questions. There's a lot yeah, of questions, cool. but you know, we're, we're we're pushing on. There's a lot going on here. Episode two, we're coming up. Um, my first hard question to you, because I legitimately do not know the answer to this question because I've never been able to do it, even with this flano. How do you win an Indies trophy? Hmm. That's a really good question. I think uh, if you want to win a trophy in a competition, um, um, you have to be um, prepared and you have to, um, the, the, the brewer should be the person who does the entry into the competition, not the marketing department. Um, because Based on, uh, based on what? Well, like if, you, if you've got a, you've got a, craft a camp I call when I, I say to clients in my paid program um, you know one of the things we talk a lot about is winning awards in competition right it's one of the key tenets of the, of, of, of my um, of my paid program right and you got to put you got you can't let the marketing department go and do your entry and put yeah. the beer into the right style class because just because your beer says on the on the pack on the bottle or the can India pale ale doesn't mean that it's an India pale ale Right. Yeah. and classic you know point case in point with regards to that is hop hog right who's who crushed it you know year after year after year at the australian international beer awards was winning trophies best you know but what was it winning trophies for not as an india pale ale it was winning it as an american pale ale, american right. style pale ale shout out to another classic aussie craft beer that was sold to one that of the sold to you know <laughs> to what's Coca-Cola. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and so um and so the brewer needs to do it because you have to have it not it's not about the label that's on your beer because the judge never fucking sees it yeah um it's about you have to take an objective look at your liquid and match it up to a style guideline can i can um, i add one thing to this yeah, I am not disagreeing with what you're saying, but the one thing I will add is when we sit around and we do, we take these awards seriously. Like we put a good effort in every time these come around. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing we do consider is if if any of our beers go well in these awards, ideally we want we want it to be a beer that we're selling a fair bit of. Mm. And and actually, what normally happens is the opposite happens. So, like in the Queensland Beer Awards, Code Red's won champion IPA two out of the last three years, mm. and we barely ever mm. brew it. Like like mm. we never brew Code Red. Yes. Um, and Pink Mist Beach House are the ones that always do well. The Abers. Yes. Um, but like, you don't brew that very like often. We never either. make those beers. So yeah. so when we sit around having the conversations, like like Govs and Eddie will come to the table with the beers. Like you, it'll be like a lager or something. They'll be like, "This is like the best beer we make." Um, and I'll be like, "Well." that's cool but it would be really cool if we win a, an award for east coast haze because that's the beer we're marketing at the moment and if we, yes. if we get a medal for that that's going to be really impactful for the business when did you win the um champion alba small champion small brewer is that 2016 2018 2018 yeah all right well that was eddie and i sat down and yeah. and we put together your campaign i come up to hq and and um you know eddie eddie pumped a few beers into me and and yeah. and we we looked at all the beers and we made sure that they went into the right class and, and what beach happened house was, was the trophy winner for that beach house yep absolutely yeah. and you, what happened was we crafted a really good campaign and that's how i look at it it is it's a campaign um and um and that's the first part is getting your beers entered into the right class a really really common problem we see as judges is is beers not 
not meet, not matching the words, the style guidelines, right? You have to look at the style guidelines. Um, and then there's then part two of that is setting up your production plan so that um, so that your beers that are susceptible to age come out of the tank at the last possible moment oh, yeah. to go into the awards. And I know you guys work very heavily on that because yeah. Eddie, Eddie and Govs and I did that years and years ago, right? Yeah. Was was like, you know, get them in the right class, set up your production plan, get them out of the tank at the very last minute and get them cold to the awards as late as possible on the last day. In fact, I was I dropped my beers for the TAFE brewery, the Froth Rookies, out at Chill Frost Logistics. Rookies. Yeah, that's the name of the TAFE brewery, nice. brewery beer brand. It's called Froth Rookies. It's that's cool. Brand, mate. And um, um, and um, and as I was drive as I was driving out of Chill Logistics, buddy, someone who looked like um, like Raylo driving one of the Black Ops vans was was driving in and. Nice. It. In defense, most of our sales reps look like Raylo, but yeah. everyone looks like Raylo Black Ops. <laughs> and um uh and so and, and it was like, yeah, so you know that and that's how you gotta play the game, you know. Um, um if you've got a big stonkin imperial stout and that sort of thing, well that's fine. If you packaged it six months ago, it's gonna mm. present to a judge perfectly fine because it doesn't, it's not susceptible to age, but hoppy beers and stuff like that do. And so therefore you've got to get them in really, really fresh. Um, uh, and put your best foot forward. Um, and then the, the third thing that you've got to do is to craft your campaign so that you'll win the trophies, right? And so the trophies, so the, the beers have different style classes, but then the style classes are grouped together. So if you've got, you know, Munich Hellas, German Pilsner, Czech Pilsner, um, Australasian Tropical Style Lager, you know, all these pale lager categories, all that, grouped under pale lager, right? And there's only one trophy for that. So you can't enter, say, um, you know, uh, Lay Day and the Oktoberfest Pilsner that you guys are just brewed and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and that, you know, own, you know, that like you need to have, you know, in order to get the best, um, best brewer trophies, you actually need to have beers in multiple different classes. So the groups yeah. of, of styles, right? Um, and, um, and that, and that, you know, serves you better. And then, and then you, then you, you know, so you got the trophies for the champion beer styles, then you've got the trophies for the champion brewer, small, medium, and large, or however it's, it's split up in the particular show. Uh, and then, um, you've got the, the, the champion overall beer and the champion overall brewer. And they, they come from those who've already won trophies. That the mm. champion beer comes from a beer that's already run a trophy, so it gets a second trophy. It's the, the best, best of the best. The best. Yeah, and the yeah. same goes for the champion brewer thing as well. And so you've got to craft your campaign in such a way so that you actually put your best foot forward. If a, and it's it's not really a scattergun approach either. You can't just go and enter twenty beers. Right. Um, does it expect- hurt? Does it hurt your result if you enter too many that don't do well? Uh, depends on the competition and how they um, how they put together the, uh, the the trophies, right? So um, AIBAs is a little different to the Indies. So that in the AIBAs, there's like a point system. It's like your top four beers and a gold medal gets seven points and a bronze medal, a silver medal gets five points, a bronze medal gets three points. They add them up and the highest average, you know, and all that sort of stuff. And there's countbacks and all that sort of thing. Um, and so you can't just go play the numbers game. Right, because that's not going to work to your advantage either. So you've got to pick the right number of beers to enter 
that are your that's go, that's you're going to put your best foot forward that you've carefully selected the style class a category that you're going to enter it in that's got that gets to the competition as fresh as possible so yeah. that you put your best foot forward that's why it's called a camp that's why I call it a a campaign because that's exactly what you got to do nice on on that topic um since this is the hard questions segment, mm. um, <laughs> like because I was working on this document during the week and I was looking back through all our last photos and I was trying to find this photo of me, Eddie, and Govs from that 2018 Aber Awards. And there's a photo of uh, Eddie and Govs hugging. I'm on the other side of them, so you're not you don't actually even see me in the photo, other than my arm is around one of them. Yeah. Um, and they used it the following year, I think, to promote the Abers. Which was really cool, but I, I after you yeah, said you got, the, you got chopped out. No, no. Well, I, yeah, I got chopped out, but that's not that's <laughs> not the point. That's fine. Um, the, the after you said last week, you know, people weren't that excited for us. I was looking at that photo and looking at all the other people in the crowd just to look, oh, at, right. to look at, their, at their facial expressions and just to see if it was kind of like at the Oscars where someone wins and you like fuck that person. Um, but I, I will tell you, going. <laughs> I will tell you, the facial expressions seemed. It seemed a bit like genuinely like who the fuck are these guys, but like smiley. Yeah, good. Yeah, good. So, I, 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 I apologize if I was like <laughs> um, made you feel weird about it. And that sort no, of no, thing. That, that's you know, I'm I'm off in Hendo world and I make all these weird world weird weird observations of the world and and um, yeah. No, it's it's good. But the next the next time, if there is a next time when we, when we win a trophy, I'm not going to be focused at all on that. I'm just going to be looking around and being like, Do "These fuckers like yeah. this or not?" <laughs> Bring it. <laughs> right, do you have a hard question for me? Yeah, man. Crowdfunding. Oh yeah, you're a massive fan of it, um, and probably the the, um, the 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 brewery that does the most crowdfunding is is Brewdog and that sort of thing. Um, there's a lot of um, varying opinions about brew dogs uh you know crowdfunding and 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 that sort of thing yeah um i i know and, and look i'm i'm pretty indifferent when it comes to brew dog a lot of people love them a lot of people hate them i i just another brewery as far as i'm concerned you know they just operate a business model lots of people say that 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 the level of crowdfunding that that brew dog have done is is representative of a, of a ponzi scheme they keep crowdfunding all the time mm. um What's your thoughts on that? Because your your crowdfunding for Black Ops has been quite limited. Yeah. You know, there was, you know, you had the first one when we weren't allowed to do equity crowdfunding where it was to fund the bar and then there's been a couple, two rounds after that, I think. There's been one. Three. There's been one equity Just one, crowdfunding right. round. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you know, but, but you know, your, your, your crowdfunding's been very limited, but but BrewDog have really, you know, grown their 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 business on the back of multiple, multiple rounds of, of crowdfunding and that sort of thing. Yeah. H- how do you feel about that model? Is it, is it a Ponzi scheme? Where are they going with it? Where does it end? You know? Yeah. I think there's, well, generally I think that crowdfunding seems to be getting a little bit of negative publicity in our industry because people who didn't realize how funding worked before are now realizing how it works and because it's public because they have access to all the information. But, you know, if you take crowdfunding out of the equation, then how have all of these other breweries gotten their money to make beer? I mean, it's only, mm. it's only one of three ways that they had money to start with. And mm. in our case, we didn't like we had enough to build a very small brewery in Burley and, and that was and not even enough for that. Mm. Um, 
they borrowed money from a bank, which never happens because mm. banks are impossible. Um, or they got um, equity. They gave up equity in, in, in return for money and they did it private, privately behind closed doors and no one ever knew what happened or how... I mean, you can, you can check on ASIC who owns shares, but you, you, you mm. never know about the rounds. You never know the public information behind it. So I, th- I feel like it's like now that it's public, it's copping a lot of heat. Um, I think I think crowdfunding is great and I've always been a huge fan of it. The, the, the BrewDog thing is interesting. I, I do think there's a, there's a point where it's... It's enough is enough. It's excessive. Yeah. 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 And I, I think like, like I think about it with our brand because I don't want to get like, I actually am, I am a little bit upset that BrewDog, the BrewDog brand has been a bit tarnished in the last few years. Like, like mm. BrewDog was always a brand to me that I aspired, you know, like I looked at, I watched their TV thing. I've learned about crowdfunding from them. I learned about valuations and all of that stuff. And that, mm. you know, the, even just the stuff they were doing on the TV show about brewing beer in different locations. Like I was mm. watching this stuff back mm. in the day. They were like the, the pinnacle of craft beer for me. Mm. Mm. When they went, when they announced they were moving to Brisbane, I was so stoked and I am stoked. I think it's fucking awesome yeah. now. I think they've done yeah, an amazing yeah, yeah, job yeah. and their beer is great. Um, but I, I do think maybe it is a little bit justified where like, you know, when they come out with a, you know, a crowdfunding round, at a hundred million dollar valuation for a, a you know a strong brand but a business that's pretty new um yep. and they've done that many rounds and they've raised that much money um i feel like at this point a bit of scrutiny is is okay um yes. I, I think leave COVID out of it i mean for a business like brewdog i don't even know how they would get through this whole COVID thing but they seem to be from, from what I read the other day about Brewdog in Brisbane, they seem to be going pretty well for a business that's not that old. Oh, it's Brewdog Brisbane is their most profitable brew yeah. pub in the world. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. It 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 goes very, very well for Brewdog. Yeah, but I think I think a, a bit of scrutiny is okay. Um, but I don't think that needs to reflect on crowdfunding. I, I do think there's a there's a point where a business needs to kind of go public or or do something else after mm, that many mm. rounds and for BrewDog, I think the plan is to go public, at least from what I've seen. And I think that would be fantastic. If they, if they end up, if they get through COVID end up going public and everyone who invested has the opportunity to sell their shares for more than they bought them for the yeah. arguments over. Yes, of course. Yeah. Do you reckon that's, that, that's what I hope. Do you reckon they'll IPO or? Yeah. 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 Okay. They have to, there's a lot of, venture capital money as well as the crowdfunding money behind yes yeah, as well and, and at I very think, very think, high interest rates and that's got to get paid back at some stage and, yeah and the, i think once you take that money and that's that's you know like with that whole conversation around independence like we've managed at this point to avoid taking money from venture capitalists and that's that's why crowdfunding can be good because mm. it gives you the opportunity to get some money from people who mm. are not going to be desperate to sell your business and if any of these you know, VC firms are giving you money. It's because they want to sell your business and get more money Eventually, later on. Yes, that's and right. And that's fine. Yeah. Business is business. But if you don't want that, then there's not many options. And I think crowdfunding is yeah. a good one. Yeah, yeah. So, yes. So, crowdfunding is good. Just don't do it excessively. Yeah, I think Because so. it kind of, div- kind of waters it down, really, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. And 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 full disclosure, we are, I, we are going to do another crowdfunding because I think I've always thought it was a great fit for our brand. Um. And we need money. It's, hmm. you know, it's 
it just blows my mind how much <laughs> how much this shit costs. You know, you t- you told me this when we. I remember when we first wrote the book, and and you're like, I'll do the foreword, and you and you wrote, yes. and, you, and, you, and you kind of told me like, this is how much a tank of beer costs, and you don't get paid until three months afterwards. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, a couple of grand, yeah, fine. But like, once you're doing, once you're at at our scale, it's fuck me, dad, it's a lot of money. I know that forward got edited as well because I was like, I think I wrote. I was very, very facetious when I wrote the uh, the draft and then uh, I don't know if it was you or you had an editor or something like that, but I was like, I sort of said one of the sentences is like the things you've got to worry about is um, quality and money and um, marketing and money. And it was like all these different things and money was the every second one. Right. And and I think I think someone had edited it going, that, that can't be right. No, repetitive. change it out. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, unfortunately, but it, but it is. It's super. It's super true. important, you know. And and um, you know, I I get it as you as your your business grows and 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 it's just, the thing is right is that you know Black Hops is a um a successful business and 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 um I would say at the at the point that you're on now it's profitable. Yeah. It but has been, needs, but 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 to be honest, yeah. to, to get from. To get from where we are to the next upgrade, it's yeah. going to go back into not being profitable because yeah. The, the, yeah. the kind of things we have to do to make this happen is yeah, and yeah. and that's a that's the thing a lot of a lot of people just in, you know don't understand. There's a real there's a stark difference between profitability and working capital required to grow your business, right? Yeah. And so when 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 a, when when a crowdfunding happens or an IPO or venture capital money and all sorts of stuff, that's not for profitability. That's that's cash to to to, to go make more beer and pay more excise and right it's not just working capital it's not just yeah exactly it's, it's gonna say yeah. it's not just working capital it's equipment and and like in an ideal world with something like equipment you can generally get finance for it so mm. you know if you buy a car i think we can all agree that buying a car generally is probably not the best investment but from a bank's point of view they can sell a car yes so they'll generally give you money for the car yes um in our history, it's been really hard for us to get any kind of debt finance from a bank because they don't know what we're doing. And they yes. don't understand whether or not you can sell a fermenter. But I mean, I can tell you right now, if you had some fermenters, you can definitely sell them. Of course. Um, so yeah, that debt finance is, is quite tricky. And um, yeah, it's it's cash flow is a, a real big thing in terms of like you're making beer, you're not getting paid for quite a while, you need that cash flow. But then- yes the equipment stuff is, is a whole new level. Like, like our one thing that blows my mind is, is the, the packaging upgrade that we're doing at BH2. So BH2 now is about 4,000. I think when we get the two new sheds, about 4,000 square meters. Mm. Um, first brewery was about 200 square meters. Mm, when we mm. went to BH2, it was 1,500. Mm. So the whole it was going from HQ to BS2 was a massive upgrade. It was like it was the scariest thing I've ever done in my life. Mm, it was, it was mm. a year of sleepless fucking nights. Um, but the packaging, just the packaging room alone that we're upgrading to, is more expensive than the whole of BH2. Yeah, like for 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 rent and the all the equipment or both equipment. or equipment. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just the equipment. Yes. Yeah. J- yeah. J- just once you go from the sort of. $250,000 inline mm. six head canning line, eight head canning mm. line to a rotary 24 head mm. yeah. Italian 12, 000, fucking 12, thing. 12,000 cans an hour and yeah. lots of stuff. And yeah, everything it's else. It's, it's, it's $3 million at least. Mm. And that's more than mm. we spent on the entire brewery. And it, and that's yeah. just, and that's just 
that's just one piece of equipment. Like that's just one part of the business. Another yes. thing people don't think about is, is oh, fuck, I'm going on a rant here, but um, rant away is how, like, if we're going to justify the expense of this gigantic packaging line, we're going to get all these new tanks. Um, how are we going to make all this beer and how are we kind of keep all the staff satisfied? So, we, so we've, we've hired in the last like three months, we've almost doubled our brew team. I think, I think we're at 19 now between brewers, seller staff and that whole production unit. I think we're at 19 people mm. and we're not making that much more beer. It's, it's, it's all in preparation for growing into for the, the space. Yeah. yeah. And um, there's no way you can be profitable doing that. And there's, and there's no way a bank is going to like it to get money out of a bank for that is tough. Yeah. You know, it's a tough story. So yeah, yeah, they want they want hard assets that they can sell if things go pear shaped and that sort yeah. of thing. They want your house on the line or your first oh, child. We're, or... we're long past that. I'm a... yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if black ops doesn't work out, I'm I'm losing everything. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, oh, I get it. Um, you know, and then and then there are some you know uh, that I would consider you know sort of riskier forms of debt as well. I mean, I know that that in your um, you know in your part of your operating capital funding is using debtor financing and that sort of thing, which you've been pretty open about. I am not a fan of debtor financing at all. Right. I, yes. I no, I know. I know this was a, a yeah, dark my, part my, of history. My history, <laughs> yeah. my history of debtor financing is very, very, very bad experience, you know? To, yeah. To, to, to like, I can't really say some of the things on this podcast because I can get, uh, you know, in a bit of trouble for it, but it was a bad experience and you've yeah. got to re and, and for some businesses, it's right, and I'm 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 very sure that you've made some very um, careful consideration. As no, we've we've actually never we've actually never used used it. Continue, I'll, I'll get into it. But yeah, but, right. But, but go on. Um, but you got to you, like that's that's it's, it's like it's crack cocaine for for yeah. um for businesses, and if you get it, you got to grow. Yeah. And plan plan in the future not to have it. It's just it's bad, scary, scary stuff. Yeah, no, we we got a debtor finance facility. Never never drew on it because we never needed to. Um, but now we're with a different bank, and now we feel like we need it again, and we might look at look, look at it again. Yeah, um, right. But there's there's a lot of these instruments. Like oh, so you're saying you had the facility, but you just never used it. Correct. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Um. There's, there's other instruments though. There's there's like convertible notes is one one we signed up for when we were just desperate for money, um, mm. and we gave some new investors the, the opportunity to buy in, you know, at a just a, a basically they, they buy in at that valuation, but it doesn't convert to two, two years time. And our business has gone in terms of valuation. Our business has gone fucking ballistic. Mm, By mm. the time it converts, they're getting the absolute deal of the century, and they're yeah. getting interest the whole time. So that was a that was a bad one. Luckily, it wasn't a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And another one we did was a uh, lease, like a leasing arrangement with our first canning machine that we're still paying for. That at the mm. time was the best decision we ever made because we went from mobile canning, which was awesome to start with, but we were then making yeah. so much beer we needed our own machine. But we're still paying for that thing, and that you know it was a hundred thousand dollar machine. Like these days, we'd fucking probably just pay for it, you know, yeah. in one hit. Yeah. Um. But yeah, you do what you do to to get through, and if you don't make it, I fully understand. If you do, it's you know it's a bit of luck. Yeah, yeah, it's very complex and scary. The bigger it gets, eh? It is. I hope no one's listening to this who wants to start a brewery because they're probably not going to be scary. too keen to. The numbers get big really quickly, and you just got to grit and bear it and roll it and grow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
What's the questions we got, man? Well, I do have I do have three questions, but we've been going for about an hour twenty. So, yeah. do you do you want to wrap it up, or do you want to hit some? Oh, of let's questions? wrap it up, and we can hit those questions next time, man. Yeah. I'm cool with that. Yeah, sounds good. Episode three. These are fun, man. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, me too. It's been good. Yeah. Get some get two or three more people on the email list. You never know. We might even yeah, send an email right. out. Right. But if we get a dozen, mint, mint. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Cheers, Hendo. Too easy, man. See you next time. See you next week. <laughs>